0: Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. Would be the miners.
1: Sure. They're
0: like three years old. Miners, not minors. If you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. <laughs> I
1: don't, don't want to kill you.
0: What would I do without you? Every
1: time someone says, I do not believe in fairies, somewhere there's a fairy that falls down dead. We're women who aren't afraid to fight, to stand up for our dignity. Transference is inevitable, sir. Every human being has an impact.
0: There are no colored bathrooms in this building. Simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't pay colors enough to afford pearls. there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, that life will not be contained. Life finds a way. Words are, in my not-so-humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic. Hello and welcome. This is Bite the Pen. I'm Jen. And sitting across from me is... You may call me Spinach. Hmm. And I need a name for you
1: radish. Is that a bitter green? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Your perimeter here is you have to be a bitter green. Right. There's not a lot, I know. Okay. And it can't be parsley or cabbage.
0: So we got like spinach. Yes, we're talking about lettuce in this episode. <laughs> spinach, kale. Hey, that's you a bitter be kale. green. I don't want to be kale. You don't want to be kale. Chard. Uh, romaine. Is that a bitter oh. green? Oh, Is I- it? I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. And it sounds better. Uh, what else is bitter and green? Groucho.
1: From uh, the Muppets. I ah, get it. <laughs> I was like, I've never heard of that. Bitter green. <laughs> the Grinch. Bitter Bitter,
0: Grinch. bitter green. Uh, bitter uh. green. I would like to be called the Grinch. <laughs> I think that that resonates the most with me. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. What do you eat the most of, though? Do you, I mean, do you eat a lot of spinach too? I do, but I I like baby kale and arugula. Arugula. But is arugula a bitter green? I mean, it, it's green, but is it? bitter? I think so. Like, what's the definition of a bitter green? I feel like anything that goes into a salad is a bitter green. <laughs> so I could say radish, then. You, I guess you could say radish. You could
1: be radish. You want to be
0: radish? It's not green, though. It doesn't matter. It's all right. Red radish, you know, it's fine. I'm going to be radish. Radish. So you're spinach. Spinach. Radish. Radish. Okay. So should we start over? <laughs> My name is Spinach. Welcome to... I feel to so bad for the people that this is their first episode. They're like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> They're looking at the label. It says, it says it's about storytelling. Speaking of which, do you want to introduce us to the material we'll be discussing today? Absolutely not. Okay. okay, Because <laughs> I turn. want people to <laughs> make the connection. Oh, no.
1: Okay. So we're talking about bitter greens because <laughs> the subject of our podcast for today is about a girl named after a bitter green. Wait, let me think of it. Arugula? How did you know? It's the famous arugula. Everyone's heard the tale. They've heard it.
0: We've seen the movies. I love arugula the story.
1: Actually, that sounds like an epic title.
0: It does, doesn't it? Arugula. Better than the original name that you were about to announce. Right.
1: Yeah, I should go back. Because at first, she was parsley. If you translate that into Italian... It's Petrocinella. Oh, my God. <laughs> can, you, can you hear the
0: inflection? Please don't sue us for being racist. No, no, no. That's how they pronounce it. No, I know. <laughs> they can't see the gesture you're making. <mumbles> oh, sorry.
1: Yes. Parsley or Petrocinella was her first name. Mm-hmm. And then when we get into Germany, she is Rampian mm-hmm. or
0: Rapunzel. Rapunzel. That's who we're talking about. Nice. Yeah. It took us a while, but we got there, everybody. Yeah. Everybody needs to pick your favorite bitter <laughs> green to oh my be God. called
1: radish. Cool. You're into radish. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to call you that throughout the episode. Oh,
0: okay. Okay, <laughs> radish. What do, you, what do you think? I'm probably going to pause every time and be like, who? <laughs> well. <laughs> well, spinach. <laughs> Thank you. Let's just crack into it. Yes. Um, we have a couple sources that we're going off of. Three of which were written materials, Mm -hmm. and one of which is a movie. Which is also written. It
1: is written. But it's a movie. There's (laughs) no no equivalent on the screen for for the other materials. And it's the original Petro That's the first written record of Rapunzel. Okay. Uh, The second one is the most well-known Brothers Grimm German German, yes. Mm -hmm. Hence Rapunzel Rampian. Mm -hmm. The famous Tangled by Disney. Mandy Moore. Killing it nice pretty mm-hmm. nice she does sound pretty great yes. and then the fourth material is something that you found mm-hmm. from the author Alora Bishop Bishop yeah it's an epic name yeah and it's called braided so that's our most contemporary source right so we go from the original to the most contemporary
0: and the original uh, Pecinilla was 1634 that's what you had and the newest one that we're going to discuss is 2012 so that's a span of time there are a number of years between those dates totally. so i've been told and uh,
1: i'm sure everyone recognizes that a fairy tale has many interpretations many revisions many translations so just like aladdin just like uh cinderella, cinderella. oh i was gonna try to think of the other episodes we've done oh. so far <laughs> like remember aladdin <laughs> how
0: we talked about that So yeah, but again, we're narrowing it down to four. Right, because I do want to mention you—you found a book that had many versions from different countries and cultures. Yes. Which is really—I mean—it seems like a really interesting book, and I think it was free on Kindle Unlimited, right? Yes. So just check that out (laughs) if this is interesting to you. Maiden in the tower. Maiden in the tower. Theme. Everything
1: is sort of related to the Rapunzel maiden in a tower. Nice trope, or which we'll talk about. Yes. Yes, we will. Cool. It's fascinating. But before we do that, <laughs> I, I like to do this thing where I trace the history, especially if it's a fairy tale or a common story that we use in today's culture, because I'm always curious as to the source
0: material. and. That's our job, right? Yeah, our being you. but No, that is our job. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to explain it to people. You can just be like, okay, let's start with the history. Oh, you know, first time listener. Oh my God. Like, uh, what do they do and what? They probably already left by this point
1: if they don't like what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> That's true. The theory behind Rapunzel, the source material, the legend, has a few versions here, but the most popular one and the most agreed upon is St. Barbara. Never heard of her. I guess she's more popular in the Eastern Orthodox Church, because she's canonized as a saint in that church. And in Catholicism, I don't know if I've ever heard of her. Like, you mean Jewish, or...? Eastern? Um, is that what you said? Uh, Eastern Orthodox Christian. What? Okay. Yeah. I don't that's know what that Christian. is. I don't know that much about it either. Okay. <laughs> but apparently they acknowledge her as a saint. Okay. Um, cool. So the theory behind the legend of St. Barbara comes from Italian who was living in the 1200s after Christ. Okay. A-C-E, mm-hmm. C-E, whatever. <laughs> it's either A-C-E or C-E. Right. Either yeah. one of those. Pick one. Pick a letter, any letter. <laughs> <Pick> letters, <laughs> meaning after Christ, this yes. was happening, and at Rome at the time, they were slowly being converted into Christians. But a lot of the old-fashioned Romans, especially the higher authorities and the ones with big reputations, were fighting it. It was against their law to be Christian. It was against the law to read the Bible. So at the time, Saint Barbara was the daughter of a Roman. Like he was, he was a very high-brow Roman. Okay, and. Because his daughter was so beautiful apparently. According <laughs> to legend, his daughter was so beautiful that he was trying to marry her off to only suitors that he approved of. But she was really rebellious. And I think it even said there was like a note that I took saying that she she had free will and wanted to choose the man mm-hmm. she was going to marry. And when he tried to give her options of men he thought were like good for her, or she for would him. um good for her. No, um, I know, but oh. I mean or for him. Right, Here or for I mean. him. <laughs> right. Yeah. She would turn them all down and refuse to cooperate. So at some point, he got so frustrated that he just put her in a tower. It's like, well, if you're not going to play my game, you're not going to play any games at all. Thanks, Dad. I know, I know. There was nothing said originally about hair. It was just this idea that you imprison a daughter high up in a tower so she's unreachable, unattainable. And at some point, somebody sent her up. They, they had like a pulley system to give her stuff. They sent her up a Bible. Like mm-hmm. she asked for it, and they sent sent one to her. And she apparently read it and w- was falling in love with Christianity, hmm. which was, again, against the law. And then she even was able to sneak up a priest to the tower. Oh, my God. So she would be baptized <laughs> wow. so he could perform a baptism, so she could actually become part of the church without leaving her tower. Interesting. But, of course, the father found out. Okay. People always find these things out. And I guess in his rage, not only was it against the law, because you're supposed to be executed if you're a Christian, Mm. He let the Roman authorities torture her, and then he beheaded her.
0: Oh my god. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, great. That's super fun. (laughs) Yeah, so it's not quite the Rapunzel as we know it, but this is where the idea of a tower comes in. So she's secluded. I mean, she's still rebellious, which I think is the spirit of the story, is that she still does something about it. And then she's canonized as a saint because the theory is that after he beheaded her, light being struck him down and killed him. Nice. And then she never refuted Christianity. She kept, she was like a martyr. Mm. So that story was told and retold in Italy and had St. Barbara.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Especially since some of the, I mean, there were even the element, and we'll get into it, but the element of being found out by the captor. You know, that's something that we see in Rapunzel because that's what moves the story forward, obviously. But yeah. that's something that happens. It, it's really interesting that it's the, it's a male character that puts her in a tower. I think that says a lot that oh. says everything yeah. I mean the
1: original story always being a father right? and then at some point because I think in society it was still respected that that's still like oh well that's fine like, of course a father has authority to do that. Or she should have listened to her father. Mm. I feel like that's still in our society. So how do you contradict that?
0: You make it a mother instead, right? Interesting. That's not even the way I interpret it. I like that. No, that's how I interpreted it. Yeah. I guess I, I was just thinking, you know, it was during the Middle Ages, right, where they started really vilifying women. Right. Naming women as witches so that they could kill them. <laughs> right, right. Um, especially rebellious women. So I think it's interesting, and I think it would say a lot if the Grimm brothers and uh, Petra Sinilla, you know, the the writers of those, changed it to be a female character. makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Because they want to make them evil and the males heroes because they want us to fall in line and understand that we are enemies to each other because we're women. Right, (laughs) right. (sighs) Yeah. Thanks, history. (laughs) There's always some sort of
1: parental figure hindering the woman's maturity mm. is i think the common thread even through those culture tales that i was reading and mm-hmm. made it in a tower it's always a parental figure doing it and then the long hair thing mm-hmm. which was actually earlier than saint barbara there's a mm. passage from the king of kings where two star-crossed lovers met in a tower and the woman who had black hair apparently shiny black hair yes Finally, was long enough that she could actually lay the hair out the window mm. to sig- signal him that it was okay to come up, mm. and they would meet in this tower.
0: Interesting.
1: So that's where the long hair came from, and the King of Kings being Elvis, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't even. Sorry, King of Kings was a Persian manuscript mm. from I think it was just one thousand C.E. Oh well,
0: it was just one. <laughs> you know, just You remember those days. <laughs> But, yeah. Is that part of Christianity, then? Or no? Is that something separate? I think
1: that this was, like, a text that traced back some Persian kings. Like oh, their, okay. their origin stories. Oh, interesting. And uh, one of them fell in love with a
0: black-haired Rapunzel. Exactly.
1: Anyway, that eventually leads to Italy retelling the story so often orally that the first one to write it down is... 1634, Basile, and the manuscript is Pentamarone, mm. which means Tale of Tales. It oh. was an, another collection of fairy tales, Italian fairy tales. And then it jumps to France, mm-hmm. 1698, Charlotte Rose de la Force. force I'm not going to be able to say it. Charlotte Rose. Yeah, okay, I'm going to cool. call her Charlotte Rose. What a lovely name. I believe it's Rose? Spinach Rose. Spinach Rose. <laughs> She also writes a collection of fairy tales for France. Oh. And but of course I think they keep the name Parsley, but it's Little Parsley oh. which is person person personet, 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 personet. Oh. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> and then from there, the Grimm brothers in Germany, eighteen twelve, retell the story. As Rapunzel, changing it to a rampion. Right. Is the food that she's named after. From parsley to rampion. Exactly. Okay. I wonder if that's like a regional thing. It probably is. And going from Italy to France to Germany, it's like, oh, we don't have parsley
0: here. We have rampion or whatever. I'm just surprised they didn't use like oregano or all those Italian spices. Why did you pick parsley? You don't I even, even eat parsley. Like, parsley is just decorative. I guess that's why. Because it's like pretty and decorative. Oh, is that why? You... I don't oh, know. That's a good theory. That's a great theory. I would have used oregano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and then the Brothers
1: Grimm republished it, 1850 okay and they oh, just a while they made yeah it was it was a quite a few years yeah. yeah but it was still called rapunzel it was a lot of the same thing they just updated some stuff mm. but in any case the one 1857 was distributed the most mm. so i think that's the one most commonly used at least in the united states everything is based off of that version
0: gotcha Like, kids' books and fairy tale, like, stories and, like, the fairy tale cartoons versions. Like, those are all mainly the 57. Yes. Okay. Exactly. The most widely published.
1: That's how we get to our contemporary Rapunzel.
0: Nice. So, do you want to talk now about the materials? I think we're going to give quick summaries of the four sources so that we kind of get them straight before we start tearing into them exactly cool and a lot of this will probably sound
1: familiar to all of you because a lot of common elements are threaded throughout all of them but you know some of these variations are important yeah so the first one Petrosinella, the original written record we're also going to call this one goldie goldie they all get nicknames goldie so a pregnant mother sees parsley in the ogress's garden and in desperation she steals it she's of course found out but to spare her life the ogress says just give me your firstborn child And you can have as much parsley as you like and she agrees to it and once the child is born the mother calls her parsley after the food she keeps needing in her pregnancy in italian it's petrocinella but we're gonna call her goldie goldie so she goldie is actually raised by her her real mother until age seven at which time the ogress every time the girl's walking back and forth from school apparently she's she keeps telling her like remind your mother about her promise and goldie goes back and is like hey mom This weird ogress keeps asking me to remind you about this. And apparently the mother gets so frustrated that she's like, you know what? Just go. Just go and tell her our promise is kept. So the the next time Goldie's walking home and the ogress stops her, she's like, mom says that we can do do it. Let's do it. And she doesn't know what that is. Goldie doesn't know what that is. Thanks, mom. (laughs) So the ogress drags her, quote unquote, by her hair into a tower. Hence the beginning of imprisonment. So as she's reaching maturity, she only gets a one-window tower. And apparently, this is this is where also the hair comes in, because her hair grows so long, and she drapes it out the window that the sun always catches it. Mm-hmm. And then who's coming by except the one and only prince who can see the rays of sun from her hair. and then <laughs> It's described as trusses of the sun that mm. he can see. And he, quote-unquote, falls desperately in love with such beauty. Uh, he then climbs the tower... And then she, quote-unquote, decrees to receive him into favor. Just doesn't sound good. I know. <laughs> it's, that's how it's written. I was like, all right. <laughs> I will decree. Into your Yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially if you haven't really seen anybody in so long. It's... Anyway, it's not like he's disrespectful, because they actually spend quite a few days together. There's, like, a time lapse that happens where he's visiting her. They get to know each other, is what I'm saying. It's not just weird, you know. Okay. And during that time, a few things happen. The ogress finds out about the prince... But also Goldie overhears the ogress talking about how there's four gallnuts that are enchanted. And they're enchanted so that she can't escape the tower without having these four gallnuts in her hand. Or three gallnuts. Three. There's three.
0: (laughs) There's only three. (laughs) The magic of three,
1: right? Yes, the magic of three. So this is when things start to speed up a little bit. Goldie asks the prince to go find these nuts. And when he does, he brings them to her, and they both escape, actually using a rope after all that. They just use a rope to get down. (laughs) But the ogress, knowing that they're escaping, pursues them. It's like a chase. They give chase. And during this time, I don't even know how she knows how to do this, but Goldie, like, chucks the nuts down. And each nut, as she throws them down, turns into some sort of beast to try to stop the ogress. The first one is a bulldog, and apparently the ogress just gives it bread, and he... Gets distracted. So one down. Mm -hmm. Goldie throws then the second nut, Mm -hmm. which turns into a lion. It's a big jump from Mm -hmm. a dog to a lion. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, really. (laughs) And this part I don't get really either, but the ogress disguises herself as a donkey. She puts on the flesh of a donkey, it says. And apparently the lion is afraid of the donkey, because that's all is needed for him to be
0: like, all right, I'm not going to mess with you. I'm going to go away.
1: I'm like, really? You're a lion. It's
0: a donkey. It was a different time. Different world. (laughs) They're in Italy. Everybody's relaxed. They're drinking wine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But the third
1: and final Galma turns into a wolf. And apparently wolves, they really like donkeys. (laughs)
0: They really like eating donkeys.
1: Predators. I thought lions would be too many. They
0: are. I, I kind of get the wolf thing, though. I would be more afraid of a wolf attacking me than a lion. Interesting. In, in a lot of circumstances. Not all circumstances, but wolves are carnivorous. I mean, lions eat when they're hungry, right. but wolves are, like, messed up, which <laughs> I love about them. Don't get me wrong. And they're huge. I never knew lions. I mean, um, wolves wolf. are so big. And we got to go to that, if you have a wolf sanctuary near you, go visit it, because Whoa. <laughs> Sorry, continue.
1: <laughs> and I'm sure they were even bigger back then. I mean, there's yeah. there's an evolution, there's a tracking of evolution, how wolves are actually, like, getting smaller, like, domestic dogs. Back then, mm-hmm. they would have been huge. Oh, my God. Hence the three little pigs and, you know, all those tales where the wolf is the bad guy. It makes sense.
0: They always, yeah, they always depict wolves like dogs, though. So I just, I um, never, never saw them as, like, really, truly frightening. Just sort of like, yeah, it's a wolf. You know, Woo. <laughs> <laughs> But then I like, saw one and I was like, oh, okay. Totally. It's totally terrifying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Then it makes sense because the ogress still has the skin of the donkey on. She's not able to take it off quick enough that the wolf just like devours her. Yeah. Like she doesn't even get a second. And that's it. There goes the ogress. Um, and then, of course, the couple is allowed to live happily ever after. Allowed. Mm-hmm. And she's it says she's received into the kingdom. Like mm-hmm. everybody loves her. So it does seem pretty genuine as far as happily ever after goes.
0: I mean, it seems like either way, it's happily ever after for her. Yeah. She gets a kingdom. She gets to be queen. She's out of the tower. She's like, fuck you, mom, because you just gave me up. (laughs) And you know, this version, it never once does it say that
1: the ogress is maternal in any way. She's Mm. more of a beast, really. She's a captor beast, not even a captor mother. Which is good. Yeah. I mean, it's different. It is different, especially jumping from a father from St. Barbara, father to a monster. Right, makes more sense. Right, even though she's a female monster. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Cool. So I that's agree. Agree. Goldie. That's Goldie. Okay. Nice. So then we come to the famous Rapunzel, the Grimm's Brothers version. And we're actually going to use both of them a little bit because I think Jen and I both. Oh, excuse me. Radish and spinach both agree <laughs> that there are some interesting
0: changes from the 1812 to the 1857. Yeah, not even comparing it to Goldie, just within the own, the brothers' version, is a huge difference between the early and the later one. Agreed. And we name her Blondie.
1: Blondie. Because she's, we hate to say dumb blonde, but that's kind of how it turns out to be, in our opinion. Is this little like element of ignorance that really shouldn't be there so this is blondie so a pregnant mother look how it always starts a pregnant mother sends her husband this time to steal rampion
0: the women got smarter she's like you know what i have an idea they had a meeting on the block and they were like yeah let's send the men to steal stuff they don't know anything otherwise And then if they get caught, what's the worst that can happen?
1: Right. Just take the father. Take the (laughs) husband, man. It doesn't matter to us. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Continue. Sorry.
1: But yeah, they make it seem like she's on her deathbed because she's in desperate need of this rampion next door. And the couple does know that the rampion is in a sacred garden belonging to, in the first version, they call her a fairy. Fairy. She's a fairy.
0: Twinkles and... Timber, Timberbell, Timberbell. <laughs> it's like Timberlake and Tinkerbell. <laughs> I like it, Timberbell. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think uh, she's supposed to be a little bit more gritty, but yeah, um, yeah. but she's like a bear.
0: Tinkerbell. She didn't have a meth problem, but maybe she had like a coke problem. <laughs> Just a little grittier.
1: Yeah. And obviously she can grow it herself in her sacred garden. Totally. So she's all set. <laughs> so the husband steals, the, and this time it's rampion. It's a cabbage rather than parsley. And he gets, he gets to do it a few times before the fairy catches on, because finally she does catch him. And it's the same deal. It's like, hey, I'll let you go with your life, and you can have as much rampion as you want, but you're going to have to give me your child when it's born. And he agrees to it. And I'm sure the wife is fine too, because she's in desperate need of rampion. <laughs> Even more so than her own child. Yeah, really. <laughs> the fairy actually does wait until I think this time she is twelve years old. Uh-huh. She reaches maturity. Twelve oh, wow. years old. I didn't remember that. Yeah, I thought yeah, seven compared to like seven years old and twelve years old. Or just being born. Or after just being born? Yeah, yeah. After, yeah. I feel like the fairy doesn't want to work that hard. You know? I don't blame her. They're like, eh, you need a nurse. You need to
0: get strong. I don't I can't take care of a baby baby. Like, Where am I t- going to get milk from? A cow or something? It's not going to work.
1: That's the hardest part. I don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> so they all somewhat reach maturity before mm-hmm. they're dragged away into a tower. Maturity you know? being uh,
1: puberty. Puberty. Yeah. Right. Excuse me. Not even maturity. Puberty. Uh, yeah. You're right. Meaning they could take care of themselves. Right. And this mother figure is not always needing to nurse them or,
0: They're toilet trained. Exactly. They know how to, like, eat with a fork. Exactly. It's all good. That's a good theory. I'm like, "Mm, yeah, yeah, there's a pattern here.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, she's taken to a tower. She drapes her hair over the window. And in this version, Grimm is the first one to introduce that Rapunzel sings. Mm. That it's her voice that carries through the forest, and that's what the prince hears and falls in love with. Quote unquote, falls in love with the sound of her voice,
0: which I kind of respect more than hair. I do too. Cool.
1: Yeah, okay. exactly. So I did like that element. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> a young prince hearing Rapunzel's song falls in love with her, climbs the tower, and they quote live in joy and pleasure for a long time. Unquote. But after long, this version, uh, Rapunzel becomes pregnant. And she doesn't know what's happening to her, so she accidentally lets it slip to the fairy that her clothes aren't fitting. Hence the dumb blonde. Hence, yes, Blondie. this carelessness. But in her defense, according to this version, the prince didn't really want to tell her what was happening to her. Like, he knew. He knew she was pregnant. Because hmm. he lives in the outside world.
0: What the hell, man? I don't, yeah. What was he going to tell? What What did he? Okay. I know, <laughs> right? He's like, oh, you're fine. Really? Like, what the hell? (laughs) You got yourself into this mess. You have to explain it to her.
1: Really? Really? And he doesn't. He doesn't. So weird. He must have known that something like that would happen then. I think they... They decide that they're going to escape before that, but still, mm, yeah. I would have told her what's happening so she could better hide it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. He doesn't. Okay. And she lets it slip that her clothes aren't fitting. Mm-hmm. The fairy immediately gets so upset. You know, you betrayed me. Now both of you are going to suffer. The fairy cuts off her hair and banishes her into the wilderness. So this is cool. the first time we see hair being cut off. Okay. And when the prince comes up, he's in such agony, she says, you will never see her again. He's in such agony that he jumps from the window, and upon falling into thorns, <laughs>
0: blinds himself. That's so comedic. That's what he gets for not telling her she's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid ass. Just imagine, like, the field has no thorns except for one tiny little bush, and that's where he lands, in his eyes. It's pretty. It's, it's amazing, and it's his like own agony. <laughs> we'll oh talk about that later yeah. too. But so
1: he's he's made to wander the wilderness because he's unable to see. So I guess he can't find his kingdom. I don't know. But after a few years, he eventually hears Rapunzel's voice again. And discovers that she and twins, she actually gave birth to twins, are still in the wilderness. And she sees him, he sees her, they reunite. And Rapunzel is in such joy that one of the tears falling down her face reaches his eyes (laughs) and heals his vision. Blindness.
0: Mm. So he
1: hears her and she sees him. Yes. Okay. Yes. And same thing, they live happily ever after, they find their kingdom, he's still the prince, and Mm. she's welcomed as the
0: princess into the kingdom with their twins. Here we go, babies. <laughs> She's like, by the way, they're not yours. <laughs> <laughs> After all that. <laughs>
1: Um, so that's the Grimm. Cool. Uh, that's the Grimm 1812, I should say.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. Right.
1: 1857, the dumb blonde is still there, mm-hmm. except she's even dumber <laughs> in that she's when she's pulling up the fairy one day from the tower, and actually in this version they call her a sorceress. Sorceress. A sorceress.
0: We went from fairy Tinkerbell <laughs> to sorceress. That's like Maleficent.
1: No, that's only a span of what, like 40 years? And then, yeah, sorceress becomes a thing. Yeah. And she, in this version, she admits that she wants to be more of a maternal figure for her,
0: which sounds a little bit more messed up. What's the godmother? Frau? Frau? Frau. Frau? Frau. Frau. Oh, no. That's not it. It's like godmother, basically, is what it means. Right.
1: So in German, whatever they call the godmother,
0: she's given that nickname. Yeah. And
1: what was I going to say the difference was? Oh, that, yeah. So she's still, that Rapunzel is still a little bit of a dumb blonde because she gives her prince away by saying the sorceress is heavier, more Mm -hmm. rough than the prince. Like, hey, you're so much heavier than my love or something really silly. So by the time she gets up there, she's like, you're what? (laughs) (laughs) So that breaks the secret. And the same things happen. She gets furious and, you know, you betrayed me will never see each other again. She cuts off her hair. Um, This time the prince is still in agony. He still jumps out the window, (laughs) except there's no mention of thorns. Breaking his fall, I guess, blinds him.
0: So he's still blinded. He's still, But he didn't fall
1: into thorns in his eyes, so there's that. But the reunion in the wilderness is also the same, except they kind of don't mention the twins until the very last minute, Mm. so that whole pregnancy is much more covered up in the 1857
0: version. Talking about censorship and society and all kinds of fun things that really shifted.
1: Exactly.
0: Which is kind of cool that the Grimm's provide these two versions, because it does give us kind of an idea of what the hell happened between 1812 and 1857. Yeah, values can change so quickly. And strongly. I mean, really, to go from fairy to sorceress is a hard turn. Yeah. yeah. Even just that alone. There's contempt there for women. Yeah. And then this whole secrecy behind pregnancy, how it's done and why.
1: I mean, it's you're right. It's on so many levels they're bashing the female, the feminine. Mm-hmm.
0: It, All of them, right? The, the crone, the mother, and the maiden. Yes. Cool. So those are our two more historical depictions. Sources. Sources. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have two more contemporary ones. So we have the Disney Tangled, which is what we'll be calling her. It. Tangled. Mm-hmm. That was 2010. Mandy Moore was awesome in it. And I actually really like Donna Murphy. She played Mother Gothel. Yeah. She's really cool. It was written by Dan Fogelman. He's done a lot of things. Crazy Stupid Love, Bolt, Fred Claus, This Is Us, Cars, Guilt Trip. I mean, he's all over the place. He's a heterosexual white man. Big surprise. So he was just the writer. And then it, it was directed by two people. Nathan Greno, who's a heterosexual white man. And Byron Howard, who's really interesting. He's white. It was an interesting piece of research to go into. He's a gay man, and he's white, and he was born in Japan. But I couldn't find any information on his parents, so I don't really know what his deal is. But was, I'd be interested in finding out. Yeah. Well, his parents,
1: like, worked in Japan or something.
0: Maybe, yeah. But I feel like that would be really hard to get citizenship if he was born in Japan like, did he stay there for a while? I'm just very confused. I don't know how that worked. And I also just want to say a little mini shout out to the casting director because I don't feel like they get enough credit. Without good casting, a film will not succeed. And that casting director was Jamie Roberts. So good job, Jamie. I don't know if you're male or female, but either way, gay or straight, white or purple, thank you. And I actually, I thought something that was really interesting was that The movie was actually originally titled Rapunzel, and they decided to change the title. Reportedly, it's because they wanted to make it gender neutral. Hey! Even though you know it's about a girl, they wanted to market it as gender neutral. Right. Which I thought was... Cool. Yeah, and they do they do
1: equalize the roles of the princess and the, well, not prince in this case, but the male co-star.
0: The stand-in prince. Right. right. The <laughs> trope of the prince, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so good.
1: They want both boys and girls to, to watch the movie. Yeah. I
0: like that. That's a great reason for it. Uh, yeah. I respect that more than just calling it Rapunzel and slapping the Disney logo on it, yes, you know? Exactly. It gives its, its own world. Yeah. And I like Tangled. It sounds adventurous. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's a great movie. And they use her hair in the Tangled logo, which is also very iconic now, you know. It's very clever. (laughs) If you haven't seen Tangled, go see it. I did not think I would like it, and I like fell in love with it. But so to talk about the basic premise of Tangled, I mean, we're seeing a lot of the same things, except in this one, of course, she is a princess. And her mother, the queen, is deathly ill and the king sends his soldiers to find this like legendary flower that's supposed to contain healing magic that's going to help her survive and her child right and so she takes it she's saved basically her and her daughter's lives are saved thanks to this magical flower but the problem is that the flower that they took was actually being used already. They actually, like, cut it, which I thought was really interesting. There's some, like... We'll talk about it. It was actually being used by the character Mother Gothel, who is our captor in this version. And she's, like, an ancient old woman, very, like, vile and horrible. And she uses it to regain her youth. Yeah. And so... When they remove the flower, she's like, what the hell? Obviously, because that's what she relies on. And she goes in to find the child because the child has like this like glowing hair, which is the glowing flower was. And she decides she's just going to cut off a strand so that she can utilize it. And as soon as she cuts it, the hair turns to its regular color, which is brown because her parents' color is brown. At that point, if I were king, I'd be like, have you been, like, seeing other people? I mean, you're the queen. You can do whatever you want. But why is your child blind? Yeah, you're right. That was a bit of a detail. but Like, I get why they did it, but it's just like, okay. <laughs> so it doesn't work, obviously. So she decides the only way that she's going to be able to utilize the power of the flower is by taking the child. And so in this case... It's not even I mean, it is kind of a trade and it has the same sort of connotation of stealing somebody else's thing, except for the fact that the flower wasn't hers. It wasn't on her property. It was out in, in the wild, you know, right. Right. it yeah. makes her more villainous. And in this case, she needs it
1: to survive. She needs a child to survive, not just because she wants revenge of any sort or she wants to try being a mother or whatever. Yeah. She will die if she doesn't retain her youth. Right. And she'll die very quickly, she knows. So it's like, okay, I have to keep this child with me at all times because I need to keep using the magic of the hair.
0: Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, it raises the stakes in a really great way. Yeah. Because it would make more sense that the ogress or the sorceress – or the ogre sorcerer, had a stake in their survival. It wasn't just, like, a persnickety neighbor who's like, don't pick my apples. it's like, no, I need these apples to live. Exactly. So I appreciate that, because it does really kind of raise everything up. So she's taken to the tower. Same same old story. Taken to the tower, raised, quote-unquote, in the tower, by Mother Gothel, who is a very... She's such a good villain. And... Uh, when Rapunzel turns 18, Rapunzel asks Mother Gothel if she can venture out to identify um, these floating lights, which – floating lanterns, sorry – which she thinks are stars, and then she's like, no, they're not stars. And her mother tells her no, and she, like, convinces her mother to go off off somewhere to get her something else for her birthday. And meanwhile, the stand-in prince, in this case uh, Flynn Rider, is a thief – And he he comes upon her and they make a deal that if he takes her to go see the flying lanterns, then she'll give him back the item that he stole from the king and queen. Of course, Mother Gothel finds this out. She's trying to get Rapunzel back, but she's doing it in a really malicious way. She could have just like grabbed her, but instead she she follows her and she stalks her and she like basically manipulates these other two people into getting rid of Flynn. Because if she gets rid of Flynn, she knows that Rapunzel will have nowhere else to go, which is brilliant and horrible. right? So obviously she's unsuccessful in that in the end. And he, I mean, Flynn Ryder brings her to, basically, they go back to her actual parents. And they're like, oh my God, yay! And it's happily ever. After. And it's actually it's Rapunzel that discovers who
1: she, who she is. She makes the connection of, of the lost princess and where she's been her whole life. So she's solving her own problem in a lot of ways. And Flynn does act as as savior, as the one to bring her down from the tower, like physically. Um, That's about it, though. But yeah, otherwise it's her it's her own story. She's yeah confronting.
0: Yeah, definitely. He gives her like the means to get out, but it's great. It's great how she, yeah, she's cracking the case and figuring out why these symbols mean something to her. Exactly. Very smart. Which I appreciated. Yeah, me too. The final source is Braided by Allura Bishop, which we mentioned. That was 2012, um, and that was part of a volume called Sappho's Fables, volume one, and they never did a volume two, unfortunately, but it was pretty successful. I mean, it was privately published, and it got around in terms of lgbtq self-publishing world it's a pretty small world but it's also pretty large and people seem to really respond to it as did i it was cool they did a three different stories that they basically turned into um, not only interpretations but interpretations that included lesbian characters so this one's a little bit different every generation a guardian is born with a tree tattoo that destines them to harness the spirit of a sacred, wish-giving tree. Already way different. Grey's mother wants to prevent her daughter from being stuck in the tree, so she cuts the destiny piece from her chest, which is a fun scene to read, by the way, (laughs) and she puts it into this other girl who she's bartered for named Zelda. And as Zelda grows up, she's forced to basically attach herself to this tree, which is the stand-in for a tower, and... She like becomes part of the tree. It feeds her. It cleans her. It they're like uh, sharing a soul, basically. So Gray, who is the other girl, not Zelda, the, the girl who original destiny. Mm-hmm, thank you. She's obviously ridden with guilt because she knows the secret. So it's kind of a big conflict to some degree because villagers go to this tree. It's like a holy place. And it grants wishes. And it's very magical in that sense that it's not just some tower in the middle of nowhere. It's actually a place that people come to pray to some degree. So there's like this pool between Grey is like falling in love or has fallen in love with Zelda and wants to free her from this tree. And that's never been done. It's not part of the destiny. And the only way for her to do that basically is by going on this magical journey. And... Eventually, she discovers that the way to do it is to cut the destiny out of Zelda's chest. Again, with the cutting of the chest. And she places that destiny at the foot of this tree in this magical realm. It's kind of like the upside down. And by doing so, it's restored and it can take care of itself. So Zelda is pretty much freed from from that duty. And they're able to, to leave together. 'Cause they both they both love each other. And like, happily ever after again. Happily yeah. ever after.
1: See? Every source so far has ended happily ever after. Which is
0: nice. Yeah. We need more of that.
1: Except Saint Barbara, but we won't talk well,
0: about yeah. that. Well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Barbara.
0: <laughs> so we've got oldest, Goldie. And then Grim, Blondie. And then we got Tangled and Braided. Totally. Cool. You
1: guys all remember that? <laughs> we will test you later. Do you
0: remember that? <laughs> <laughs> goldie, blondie, tangled, braided. Oh wow. Uh, Look at that. Uh, and you're spinach and I'm radish
1: Oh yes, sorry, <laughs> and your hosts
0: are spinach and radish <laughs> So we're going to talk about some of the commonalities Or the ones that we think stand out or are unique in some way throughout these stories So just to to give an overview, we're going to be talking about plants, captors, hair, magic, prints, and sexuality Because these seem to be common threads throughout Rapunzel Shall we start with plants? We shall begin with plants. (laughs) Since the stories usually start with plants.
1: And in every story, it seems that the pregnant or expecting mother needs to consume this plant. Did you notice
0: Mm -hmm. that
1: there's always some sort of craving? And I think you're the one that mentioned that, you know, historically that would be accurate. Because even in the 1200s, 1500s, 1600s, some nutrition wouldn't be accessible for a pregnant mother. So, of course, they're craving it to no end, right? They feel like they might even perish without it. Right. So it's not even that we want the radish, we want the parsley. It's that mm-hmm. we need it. right? And even in Tangle, they feel like the drop of sun that became the flower would heal the mother. So she needs it. Mm-hmm. There's always some sort of need for it.
0: Right. And then the fact that they consume it is always interesting, too. Yes. Con- the consumption is more unique maybe even than the plants themselves exactly i think that's especially true in braided right because by by consuming there's a lot of really interesting imagery around the rampant in that story both in the normal world and in the like flipped world and it's one of the things that allows them to basically go into this like dream state which is the conduit towards the magical realm Right. So it's literally by them both consuming the same rampion, that's what makes it possible for her to be free, which is probably like highest stakes, I guess, for the plant. And in
1: the universe of braided, it's interesting, and I even wrote down that quote because this is a rule that magic cannot reach into dreams. Magic can dig deep into your thoughts and feelings, change them, warp them, but magic can never touch your dreams and gray's mother what what is she growing except rampion and gray has consumed it her whole life and she's had these really intricate dreams so when she figures it out she gives it to zelda because she knows that this is the exception we can fix things in our dreams now yeah i thought that was fascinating totally that was
0: fascinating totally at least it makes it more interesting than a eating some parsley yeah <laughs> <laughs> right. but i mean i think it also says something that then the the
1: resulting child is empowered or imbued with a destiny based on that plant right so it gives a very heavy sacredness towards the earth towards something you grow something yeah um, something with life such as a plant or a tree yeah i mean it's metaphorical but it's also it's lovely hence us getting named after bitter greens yes Thank you, spinach. <laughs> Thank you, radish. <laughs> I'm glad you agree um, with that, radish. And what do you think about the only magical element
0: entangled was this drop of sun that became a healing flower? Wow. Yeah, all of the, quote, magic in in the story is all connected to following that. So it goes from this drop to the flower to her hair. Right. And everything, like I said, all the magic is contained within Wherever that is, which is her hair. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And literally it, it mimics the source plant because she now has that magic. Right. It's not just a
0: name. It's the magic itself. And it's it's a healing. Whereas, uh, you know, Mother Gothel uses it for youth and it is used for youth. It's also it's making something backwards, ah. whether it's age or a, a wound. Right. It's returning it to a healthier version of it. Yeah, I
1: guess on a DNA scale, you can kind of envision each atom turning back time and saying like, ah, I'm going back to my <laughs> original state and fixing myself. Is and- that how your atoms sound? Mine are all British. Oh, are they? <laughs> Bugger. <laughs> your atoms sound, sound British. <laughs> And then uh what about the concept of a sacred garden? Mm. Something that's being protected usually by a crone figure would be the one to grow a sacred garden and when that's violated she can give out punishment. Right. Even though in Gothel's version, Mother Gothel, it's it's that she just happened to be keeping it to herself in its natural state, you know, to right. protect it.
0: Which is also kind of sweet. I mean she's using it for bad reasons, but there is this concept that she does not Rip it from the earth. That's true. She goes to it, which is a kind of kindness to some degree. Yeah, that she's not violating the earth. It, it's the king and the king's men that do that by cutting it. That's true. Because I mean, the the thing that came up for me when I was looking at the the magical flower was Black Panther. It's a very similar sort of lotus looking flower with magical powers that allows you to be in a different state of some kind. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting comparison that there's these magical flowers. I don't know. I mean, I guess that there's some other stories where it seems like that's like a theme to some degree. I think of Wizard of Oz with the poppies, but poppies actually do make you sleep, so it's not really magical. <laughs> that's what I was just thinking. I'm like, it's it feels magical to us because it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, because historically,
1: plants do that to us. And society, yeah, can be afraid of it, therefore we don't think about it or... We misuse it and we think it kills everybody. And so there's all these negative connotations mm. to it. But that doesn't mean historically plants don't do things like this. They do heal. In today's society, that's mushrooms. Right. That We would be having a conversation about mushroom. Right. It makes total sense to me.
0: Yeah. And it feels fairy-esque. That early grim version makes sense to me that that's connected in some way to fairies. Right. More so than an ogress for instance exactly
1: and then by the time we get to the the fantasy braided things like that are very normal like yeah witches exist they have their gardens everything like that is is accepted which i like hence the contemporary version of rapunzel where it's all like yeah of course there's magic of course the witch keeps a garden she makes potions for us we we need that and it's all embraced very well i do appreciate that about
0: that version totally because it's it's like you said it's part of society it's like if we weren't introduced the way we were introduced to harry potter where it was like this big grand thing it would be more like you know treating it like the office except that it's magical <laughs> yeah like it's you people know it it's used you're used to it right which is kind of unique in some stories like you could try to capitalize on that magical element but it didn't feel like that's what she did no she just made it a part of their society which is kind of cool can we talk a little bit we can jump around right about mother the mother characters yeah that's next on the list the yeah. captor
1: mother the captor let's do it this is the most interesting in yes my mind.
0: oh my god i mean anybody that knows me knows that i love ice queens so for me this is and villain villains of all kinds i mean a, a good story in my opinion has an equally good hero and villain yes exactly well yeah the shadow the light right yeah. it's got to be equal yin yang yes yeah. it's not compelling right and with yin-yang, you know, there's light and darkness in both sides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the captor. We have the ogress, Mother Gothel, Mother Bone, and braid, mm-hmm. braided. Mm-hmm. And she's called fairy
1: or sorcerer in the Grimm's version. Mm-hmm. So we can see that early on, it, it again, those rules of the villainous crone, usually non-fertile and somewhat magic, or, or has the potential to use magic. Right. Those are always common elements. And I, f- I feel like you're right. The It tells a lot about the society on how she develops. For example, the ogress being the first in this monster that it doesn't, almost doesn't matter that she's male or female because she's, she's monster. You right. Know, there is no maternal there. And then slowly as it travels, even in France version, I think she was becoming more of mother than anything else mm. because she, in the France version, Charlotte Rose. Mm-hmm. I think there was some embellishment that the mother took care of her with riches. Like, she gave mm. her things. She, like, spoiled her. Ooh. I know, that was kind of weird. Interesting. It was that detail. But by the time it gets to Grimm, she's godmother, sorcerer. Right. So maybe powerful, scary, but more maternal. Which is arguably worse. Hey, that's more manipulative, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. It's scarier and... It talks more about the triple goddess concept. Like how do we treat each other as triple goddesses? And, and then Mother Gothel.
0: And Mother Gothel is just, she blows all the other mothers out of the water. Oh, yeah. I mean, There's she did research. Yeah. She is very scary. Very manipulative. We can, can I talk about Stockholm Syndrome?
1: Yeah. I feel like this is a good time for that.
0: Stockholm Syndrome. Are you ready to learn, everybody? (laughs) Most people know about or have heard it before. It's not actually in the DSM-5, just FYI, but it's something that people tend to use. It's weird because a lot of psychological issues are not actually well documented or well understood in the public. But Stockholm Syndrome, I think, is fascinating for people, and that's why I think people know it better. Than they do other things. So it's a condition um, in which hostages develop a psychological alliance with their captors during captivity. And it's usually as a coping mechanism, a survival strategy. It's it's something natural that happens for people who, uh, namely women, usually in this situation, need to survive somehow. And they develop sort of an emotional bond with their captor. And usually the captor is doing horrible things to them. So it's a very twisted coping me- mechanism, but it allows people to survive in these situations. So there's four conditions that have to be met to be called Stockholm Syndrome in, in general terms because, again, it's not in the DSM-5. One, victims feel a perceived threat to their survival at the hands of their captor. I feel that Mother Grothel does that amazingly. Her song about Mother Knows Best is that. It's her telling her all the horrible things that could happen, they will die if they go out, you know. And you don't have to go out because mother knows best. Like, come into my arms. Like, I got you, girl, you yeah. know. She's always like touching her, too. You notice? Yeah. Like
1: she's either like messing with her hair or she's like, this is, you know, th- you're mine. There's always that mentality
0: of you're mine, remember? Right. Ooh. Which, if she were the ogress, it would be less scary to me. The ogress is like a beast. So it's like, sure, you're just, you're a beast. But this is like, this is more logical yeah yeah it's more twisted the second is that victims perceive small kindnesses coming from their captors such as receiving food or not getting hurt mother gothel brings her things she brings her paints she lets her do a lot of things she she praises her for the most part yeah she's pretty kind to her considering the fact that she's horribly manipulating her and so vain and she never compliments rapunzel it's always complimenting herself yeah yeah but it's not, I mean, yeah, it's true. She doesn't necessarily, but she doesn't, like, tell Rapunzel she's wrong or bad. No, yeah, that's true. Until she brings up wanting to leave, obviously. Right, right. Interesting. Third, victims are isolated from perspectives other than those of their captors. That's pretty obvious. She has not talked to anyone except for a chameleon and Mother Gothel. <laughs> um, and to get to the tower entangled, you have to go through a cave. So it's like, not only do you have to, like, find this in the middle of the woods, but you have to go through a cave to find the tower. So good luck with that in the, like, whatever year it's supposed to be. (laughs) And then four, victims feel they can't escape from their situation. Up until the point when Flynn Rider gets there, she has really no means. She could get down from the tower, I suppose, but she would have no idea what to do. She needs a guide, and, and she has been taught by mother gothel that the world is full of men with sharp teeth and like all these horrible things that could kill her at any minute so i would argue that that's pretty accurate definitely stockholm syndrome (laughs) (laughs) and another disney example of that that i read about well people talk about stockholm syndrome in beauty and the beast oh oh yeah but it actually is very interesting it is not it doesn't meet these requirements. you think it would, and it kind of does, but she doesn't fall in love with him while he's being abusive. Oh. She never accepts his abuse as anything but abuse. Ah, and got it. And because of that, she doesn't quite fit the bill. Got it. Um, but Frollo and Quasi do. Of
1: course. <laughs> I was thinking that one, too. I was like, but you know which one does work is Hunchback. Yep. Because that's the same idea. And he's in a tower. He's in a tower. of all things. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. And originally he was a priest. Um, Frollo was a priest. Just imagine that. Oof. That yeah. kind of manipulation. Right.
0: Right. Oof. And that that film, I think, by far is the scariest Disney film I've seen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. It's really scary. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. So that's Stockholm Syndrome. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, and, it's- you know, there's been a lot of, I think, you know, It makes sense that it's it's in these stories because it happens in real life a lot. Patty Hearst was like a huge story, Elizabeth Smart. There are all these like namely women who have like survived by doing this. And and I think that it makes sense that it's trickled into our stories even from before when we didn't have a name for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like this sort of replaces the fact that Mother Gothel doesn't have magic. Like, this is her magic. This is how she keeps control, is by manipulation. Terrifying. Yeah. Much uh, scarier. It is much scarier. Mm -hmm. I would be like, I mean, a sorceress?
0: Sure, any day. Yeah. But a mother who's not a mother. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's There's a level of intellect behind a manipulation like this, a captor doing this, as opposed to magic, where... It relies on a means to create these things. And that usually means that there's a way to stop them because it's a physical thing that you can change. Right, right. Manipulation is not Yeah. And I do I do
1: remember reading the, on Disney's notes behind Mother Gothel is that they couldn't make her too, too terrible because then uh, Rapunzel would be shut down. She wouldn't even be able to leave. Right. So it's, it's always just on that brink of, I don't even, like, not trauma, well, I guess trauma, I don't know what to call it, where Rapunzel can still feel like she's able to explore, to go on an adventure, because she has some uh, some confidence, she mm-hmm. has some confidence left, despite Mother Gothel. Yeah. So I, I, I liked reading that, I was like, yeah, that would make sense, you couldn't have her go all the way. Absolutely. As villain, maybe until the end. She even says, fine, I'll be the
0: villain. Yeah, I know, I got such a good line. <gasps> That's very true, it's very true, because that would be suffocation. To some degree right she wouldn't even be singing <laughs> right yeah she would be a shell of a person She's like moderately happy most of
1: the time yeah, yeah 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 and then last but not least but the real birth mother and braided they combine I think they combine this idea of mother Gothel and the pregnant mother at the beginning totally and they, they make her one she is very contemporary yeah and actually I liked all the times that gray and braided, uh, she keeps saying that, I, you know, despite these horrible things that my mom has done, like changing destiny, changing my destiny and putting it to somebody else, that I, I still love her. I don't hate my mother, she says. I don't hate my mother. It's in there like four times. I, I don't hate my mother. <laughs> By the end, you're like, hmm, does she, does she hate your mother?
0: <laughs> I'm not sure. It's a really interesting tactic. Yeah. Because it, it, really, she's trying to convince herself that she doesn't hate her. Oh, my God. And then in the end, she doesn't. No, yeah. She really doesn't seem to. I think she believes that. She's just really
1: bitter about it, I think. Yeah. And I even wrote down the quote, because I love this quote. Um, The evolution of Mother Gothel comes to this point where, in Braided, she describes her as, my mother is not a wicked witch. She's only a mother, and a mother does for her child what she must. Still, Grey says, her plan was wicked enough, and the fate could only be fully removed from me if it was sewn into another person. So she's defending her. She's saying, yeah. "Well, no, she's being a mother is what she's being. She's not being a witch and she's not being evil.
0: What a concept that this mother is a person. Right. You know, like she's multifaceted. She can make mistakes. She she can do it for the right reasons. It's redemptive to some degree, depending on how what you do with it. Right. Right. It's a very nuanced answer, but it, it, it does it really
1: well. And I feel like even after this year, after this generation – that'll happen more and more with the story of Rapunzel is the mother becoming more dynamic because you're right. This triple goddess is now being enlightened by everyone. I mean, everyone's getting it. They're finally understanding that there's (laughs) complexity here and it's not something to be feared, revered. They're not judging a maiden by her beauty, the matron by her fertility, the crone by her Uh, non-fertility. It's not about that anymore. It's Mm -hmm. not about if you have a child or not. It's everything else. It's this capability, intelligence, and yeah, if you are a mother, you do sacrifices. Like, that's a thing. And right. that's a not only powerful thing, but that's a complex thing. Right. So
0: maybe eventually we'll even get further in that realm of...
1: I have hope. Mother
0: Gothel. Yeah. I mean, all the fairy tales, I think, would benefit greatly from from those changes. Yeah. It would only make them more apt to what's true at this time right right and then what about the original concept that the captor was a father that's very i i because i you didn't tell me the story of saint barbara because i asked you not to right and i think that's really interesting i mean it's definitely makes me want to say fuck the patriarchy because that's what we say (laughs) exactly but it's it's interesting i don't know what do you think i think i think i'll have more to say about that when we
1: reach the theme of sexuality Because I think a father repressing the sexuality of a daughter is even more mind-boggling and more detrimental in history than anything else. You can say a mother, yeah, but in my mind, a mother understands, you know, she's protecting her for a different reason. You don't have to have a child right now. Maybe that's why she puts her in a tower. Mm. Like, you don't need a prince. I'll try to convince you that you don't need a prince. Right. Whereas a father putting a daughter up in a tower and mm-hmm. saying, no, your sexuality does not belong to you. It belongs to me. I get to decide. And if you betray or fight me on that, then you're going to just stay up there. That's in, what that says to me. Mm-hmm. In the phallic symbol. In the phallic <laughs> symbol. The tower is a phallic symbol. It's mm-hmm. a paradox. Like you're, you're making it. Ha- it's like the, you know, all of those Greek prophecies that always go wrong. That's what this is. If you're putting a maiden in a phallic symbol, well, your destiny, <laughs> like, her destiny is going to be the exact opposite of what you want.
0: Right. Duh. Right. But. Which is yeah. honestly kind of what I respected. I know they probably didn't do this on purpose, but I really like that you had to get through a cave entangled because a cave is usually associated with womanhood hey. and a tower is more associated with with a phallic symbol yeah there's such something about that where i was like that's kind of cool like i like that there's a passage away from this like ginormous penis through <laughs> the like womb and out into the real world Do yeah. you know what i mean
1: agreed agreed it's an interesting message imagery Yeah, it.
0: yeah. yeah. metaphor.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I, my question is, well, what does that say about women reaching maturity all over the world, that mm. every culture has some sort of version of this? We fear that the most is the person who can give life. Mm. Of course, you're going to want to restrain that, define that, control. not talk about it, control it. And in history, it reaps disaster, obviously. In all these tales, it's reaping disaster of some sort even though they all live happily ever after. I'd, and of course, the fact that, you know, if we don't talk about it or hiding a woman's sexuality, it just perpetuates the patriarchy. Totally. Right? The less we talk about it, well, the more power the the men will always have. Yeah. Unless we say it's okay to be the maiden, it's okay to be the matron, it's, it's definitely okay to be the crone. Yeah. And no, you will not be cast aside because of your ability to have children. I mean. Stupidest thing I've ever change. heard. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right, right. 'Cause men have the same issue. But right. we don't base their their existence on the number of sperm they have. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What, so,
1: what is up with of that? And it's terrible this, this idea that in the original Saint Barbara story is you couldn't decide who you loved. They have no choice in that because it's not about that. It's about your breeding and it's about your honor and it's about how you look to other people. So the daughter's just she's an object basically, in society that was her job was to just do as she was told because we need to keep, we need to keep our names we need to keep our status. When I have a son, well that's different, but the daughter you're useless to me.
0: I think that that's the most interesting part about the Saint Barbara story because it's obviously the story is about overcoming odds to be a Christian, right? It's very, uh, what do you call that? Like when you see m- movies that really celebrate the military. Do you know what i mean? Uh, yeah, it's uh... <laughs> propaganda. Propaganda, thank you. <laughs> like the Bar- St. Barbara story has a lot of propaganda in it, um, and it's very much tailored to, hey, we know it's rough, but you should definitely become a Christian. And that's <laughs> fine, that's fine. You can recognize that and still look at it as a story, of course. right. I think it's what's different about it is that it's a female character we're fa- we're we're looking at. Exactly, the father is sort of overshadowed by her love of Christianity, which is cool. I'm just surprised, I guess, that that's the sort of propaganda that the Christians wanted to use, because it's not like they're totally non-sexist. You know what I mean? There's still these like big gaps between. You're male, you get to do this. You're female, you can do one of these three things. You know, for sure. I think the emphasis comes when you consider
1: what time period it was, and the fact that Christianity was the rebellious thing to do. That's what I for mean. for a young person. Yeah, but you're right. Once she was Christian, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, you will now face other sexism, but at least you get to you get to be empowered by this for now.
0: That's what I mean, though. Yeah. Like, I I'm just really surprised that that's. The route they took because they could have made it a lot easier on themselves they didn't need to give a female who has no power anyway any sort of power so I just thought it was really interesting I guess that that was the dynamic that it's the patriarchy or the the male the patriarchy in term of uh, of her household that is the one that's trying to shame her and I guess it goes into piousness and other things, but it was, just, it was really surprising. Yeah. I found it really surprising. Because yeah. these other stories, they're more transparent. Exactly. You know exactly what they're saying. Right, um, right. Especially in the Grimm version where you get to – there's a great source online where you can read the original, the 19 – I mean the – 1812. 1812, and you can read on the other side the 57 version. And it's really interesting to read line by line what's changed and what hasn't hate. Exactly. And, you know, the idea of sexuality even being known or talked about in terms of women uh, is completely erased in in the second one. We we go from her accidentally revealing that a prince has been visiting her to the very end where she magically has twins. Right, right. You just hide the pregnancy altogether. Because, of of course, in Christianity,
1: 1857, that would have been like a hardcore no-no. It's like, no, you do not you late before you're married right and they weren't married yet they were just visiting
0: with each other that's what we call it nowadays too visiting visiting, (laughs) Netflix and chill (laughs) visiting yeah but yeah that's true so
1: you change it even within 40 years saying like oh no maybe that that little
0: detail is not important let's just like bypass that one or it is important and that's why we should skip over it It, oh right, for sure exactly (laughs) yeah no yeah (gasps) exactly diverting the attention right look at this evil crone and look at this sweet woman sorry and I I I sort of wanted to mention because I have this book that analyzes
1: fairy tales it's from this book that I learned why every version of Rapunzel had the triple goddess fight which is you know the matron will always be envious of the matron and And then the matron will will be envious of the maiden and the crone will be envious of both. So there's always like this fight, this battle happening between all three of them. Right. And according to this book, they were saying, well, of course, that's how it was back then and now. And the quote was that witchcraft was the most extreme expression of female deviance, a charge levied not against women in general, but against women who were imagined as eluding or subverting the patriarchal control. So as long as you keep them fighting... Between all three stages of them, then they won't recognize that they have the power of life. Always. Just keep them dumb. Dumb blonde, right? Blondie. Barely now, and braided, can we just not mention that there's any sort of childbearing at all? Just now. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Tangled is great, but of course there's that piece too that, you know, you find a prince and you marry. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. And it's not so much about that entangled, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. But by the time we get to braided, it's like, hey, guess what? They're both female (laughs) and they're in love with each other. And there is no child, you know, there's no children to be bared and, you know, none of that. And now we're just, we've just taken out that completely because it's not about that anymore. It's about empowerment of what's happening in their immediate universe. It's solving an
0: actual problem.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think in an ideal world, Tangled would have done that because it, it would be nice to see a straight female choose not to have children because I think that's more underrepresented than lesbians not having children. Right. Because lesbians like having children. Right, <laughs> right. Like people, you know what I mean? Like I don't want there to be – I don't want it to be associated because of their sexuality that there aren't children. Right, because right. Because they can still have children. Um, there are many ways to still obtain children in a legal way. And it sounded wrong. <laughs> obtain them. Yeah, do a mother and
1: steal it from the, tri- the crib. It's all good.
0: But I, I agree. I mean, it's either focus on it and, and make her show that Rapunzel is aware of her sexuality and accepts herself, pregnant or not pregnant, married or not married, or take it out take it out make it not something that's part of the story the like you said it's about her empowerment her learning how to live outside of what people want her to do exactly yeah exactly but it makes sense for now that we're studying this
1: via the lens of reaching sexual maturity totally that's why all the cultures had this story and luckily they all ended in a way that said like well you see what happens when you do try to repress it Mm-hmm. Hence the happily ever after, which I do appreciate yes. in, every, in every version. It's like, well, it worked out well because she came down
0: from the tower. Right. She didn't die up there. Right. And she, not specifically, she, she isn't specifically kicked out either. Ah, right. I mean, in the grim version, it doesn't really say either way. And she does banish her to the wilderness, but it doesn't really include how that happened. And I feel like that's important. Because with the prince, they're like, ah, she threw him out the window. You know what I mean? But, like, they don't really say their way with her. Right. Okay. Let's talk about the prince. The prince. The quote prince. Right? This is the prince trope. That's right. The prince trope. Oh, my God.
1: He's <laughs> just losing it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just hearing, like, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your
0: hair. Why you know, does like the prince sound like <laughs> And he He's
1: trying to sound like oh, her, yeah. remember? And he's like, Rapunzel, right.
0: Rapunzel.
1: That's not even in any of these sources, by no. the way. That's from
0: Timeless Tales. Timeless
1: Tales, yeah.
0: We watched a few other things to see if we could bring them into the discussion. Once Upon a Time um, had an episode, and... And we were able to track down Timeless Tales with Olivia J- Newton-John, which you used to watch as a kid. I watched them all. All yeah. of the Hallmark produced Timeless Tales. That's where I. That, that's where I got my
1: fairy tale concepts from. Is yeah. from those but, old school yeah. '90s, you know, with the so, like pop songs. Sorry. Yeah,
0: totally. I mean, that's that's definitely a, a fun version to watch. It's on YouTube. It's kind of hard to find, but it's there. <laughs> So, yes, the prince, always, uh, in most early versions, always the son of a king. Mm.
1: How convenient, right? <laughs> and he seems to have a interesting evolution as well. right? Falling in love with the look of Rapunzel first is falling in lust, I should say. Yes,
0: which we're going to do an episode on. Yes. Falling in lust versus falling in love. D- different things. Yeah, yeah.
1: Totally different things. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Petrosinella... He uh, he just sees her beauty, and actually, there's more respect I think even in Cinella because he aids her. Yeah, like, she's doing a lot of the work, and he's aiding her. Yeah, versus like taking her or telling her what to do. That, totally, that's nice. Again, he's like a means; he's a vehicle yeah. for her to do what she needs to do. Exactly, which is great. Right.
0: <laughs> and there's no sign of a violation. There's no right or there's no child. Yeah, uh, by the end, there's no like yeah sexual encounter. And he doesn't ever do anything to her like we see entangled. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Any other comments, Radish, about that prince? About that prince? Basic prince. Basic prince. Ya basic. Ya basic prince.
1: But yeah, by the time we get to Grimm, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little grimmer. (laughs) Sorry.
0: She thinks she's funny. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just
1: kidding. I'm just getting nostalgic.
0: No, nostalgic. Lethargic? Oh my god. Lethargic. 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 Oh my
1: god. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he tends to push himself on her a little bit more.
0: He's like, hey, babe, it's gone. Right, right. It's more like, yeah icky guy hitting on a girl exactly, exactly that's kind of what we saw in the once upon a time episode to some degree too with hook
1: yeah it's very yeah that's more violating and mm-hmm. taking advantage of right powering over all of those verbs right. apply for this version and grams at least he falls in love with the song
0: first with the voice which is something still kind of vain i've heard music i love and i quote fall in love with them but I'm not like oh we need to get married. Right. You know like it's just like I love you from a distance. Right. Right. And then he becomes
1: somewhat stupid in this version right. He just like jumps off. I mean I mean who does you know he's in agony and he jumps out of the window. He's an idiot. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) What a strange detail. And he doesn't tell her she's pregnant right. And that yeah. Yeah. the The fact that he won't even talk to her about what's going on with her is terrible. So he's dumb ignorant and selfish and like a prince. Like a prince. <laughs> and then by the time we get to Flynn Rider,
0: there yeah. is a reversal. Should we talk about that? Yes. Yeah. I love Flynn Rider. Yeah. He's great. I mean, we open with him stealing from the king and queen, which become his in-laws. So that's a great touch. But he's a thief and an he's orphan. Orphan. He's so vain. Um, he has. He's multi-layered. So there's the Flynn Rider, right, who is... A buccaneer, right? right? He sees himself as a ladies' man. He cares about how he looks. He's always doing the smolder. Right. Um, he's trying to
1: be this legend. Like, he's trying to be yeah. the actual
0: Flynn Rider legend. Right. Is
1: where he gets his name from, is this, like, swashbuckling yeah. savior guy. Right.
0: And then there's his actual being. What's his name? Do Eugene think? Fitzherbert. Oh, you're so good. Eugene Fitzherbert, which is the cutest name ever, <laughs> who's an orphan, right. who's doesn't have, you know, parental love, who probably didn't have any, I mean, you know, he probably had friends in the orphanage, but orphanages haven't been well known to be great places to live as children, especially even now, you know? I mean, it's it's kind of a sad story, and he says it, he's like, well, that's my sad story. And he, like, makes jokes about it, which I get, but it, it does humanize him. It makes the prince trope into a unique character. Exactly. Which is nice. Rapunzel Entangled even says, I love Eugene
1: Fitzherbert more than Flynn Rider. Mm -hmm. This is who you are. And he accepts that. He's
0: like, yeah, you're right. This is who I am.
1: Eventually. There's a big change. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because at first he's like, I think you're the only one.
1: Oh, right. You that's know? right.
0: Meaning he doesn't even like himself.
1: Exactly. And it takes her showing him why. Mm-hmm. Which is beautiful. I feel like that's sort of a role reversal in itself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Economically, they're reversed. Mm-hmm. Uh, socially, they're reversed. Mm-hmm. Psychologically, like all of these reversals where he's the one needing saving,
0: even though he, he like physically helps her as well. But you know. Totally. But I feel like it's more of a partnership in that way that they're helping each other yeah otherwise it feels like a weird power dynamic exactly he would think he would be on top of things and see through things because he's from the real world but she's the one that's always calling out his bullshit right like whenever he tries to give the smolder to her she's like okay (laughs) (laughs) and like what are you trying to tell me he's like it usually works you know yeah yeah that's a good point so she kind of has this upper hand on him and even though she is quote innocent Right? Because she's been locked away. I like that it's not tied to her sexuality, too. Sorry, now I'm talking about... <laughs> no, this is good to <laughs> say. Good to... <laughs> this is absolutely
1: great to say. They purposely don't use that as her innocence. It's, mm-hmm. She's innocent as in that she hasn't explored the world yet. It has nothing to do with sexuality right. at this point. And the fact that she can fight. Like, she's read books, she's trained, she knows her hair better than
0: anything, so she knows what it can do. And She paints. I mean, she's well-read. Yeah. Like, it's kind of a... Ideal. We were talking about this earlier, that what would it be like to live in a tower like that? And we determined that you would love it.
1: I would really like that, actually.
0: Yeah. You can choose who comes to visit you. You can read all day, study what you want to study, not have to deal with the world. Like, it's not bad. It's not say, a bad choice. I was going to say, that
1: perfect. <laughs> that sounds great. The
0: only difference is not having a choice to leave. Right. You that's know? The part where I'm like, mm, <laughs> no. But otherwise,
1: I was going to say, the way she grew up in that tower seems pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that's because I've already lived in the world. And it would be
0: my decision to, to isolate myself now. That It's sort of like calling back to the Sinilla, Goldie, who oh no she was 7 it was grim That was 12 right yes yeah like that age that gives her an opportunity to remember ah. what life was like before she was captured right hair uh, it's everywhere it
1: is everywhere there
0: you go again with all your hair hair <laughs>
1: there's the blonde
0: <laughs>
1: there's the red
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't know What's it? what do they call black hair <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I guess black, black hair. hair. I'm sorry, black-haired people. What would you prefer it to be called? <laughs> Raven hair or Raven hair. stallion hair. I like it. And then don't forget our brunettes. Yes, don't brunettes. The brunettes. Every shade of brunette and every shade of colored dye. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, she's, she's mostly blonde. Is, is what we're trying to say. Rapunzel. She's always blonde. She's always blonde. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I I don't want to be right. That's just a surprise. I mean, except for Barbara, right?
1: Right. Well, actually, we don't even know. Like oh. I said, Barbara, Barbara's hair was never a thing. Oh, yeah. It was the King of Kings that became the legendary source oh. of the long hair, and she had black hair. She had black hair. But I think, you know, by the time you get to the first written rec- record of it, there's something about golden hair reflecting from the sun. There's a mm-hmm. connection there, and it tends to be blonde when that Reflection is the most prevalent. Um,
0: even though I guess redheads may be more so. Or? I was just going to say, like, we, we talked about this. Even though, like, if you wanted the brightest hair, that would be red, red reflects light the most.
1: Interesting. Even mm-hmm. more than blonde.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. It would be literally shinier. Wow. Yeah.
1: Oh, well, then there was the theory that
0: blonde was more correlated with innocence. Right. Which is the most. Realistic version, right? His red hair is not connected I was to innocence. Say, especially during that time, it's like that's oh my, that's witches. Yeah, really. You can't have red hair. Yeah, but
1: mm-hmm. blonde is very acceptable for the innocent.
0: It is okay. Goes hand in hand with innocence, which is weird, but whatever. And it doesn't help that we perpetuate that by calling them dumb blondes. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I feel like it goes back and forth. I mean, it's not like people were gravitated towards Marilyn Monroe because she was blonde people were attracted to her and then on top of it she was the blonde girl Ah. you know what i mean like i don't necessarily think that it it was just one direction i don't think she was like i'm gonna make myself blonde maybe she did but it just didn't it didn't seem like that
1: yeah agreed agreed
0: blondes have more fun like there's just i mean i i am the same way i like blondes i mean i don't not like anyone i guess but (laughs) you (laughs) have to like Blonde. But I mean yeah. I do, you yeah. know. And yeah. I, I don't it's so ingrained in our culture.
1: You know, that's true because if I think of all the the male heroes that I grew up with, I feel like I am attracted to the blonde hero. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even more so than the the black or the brown ones.
0: Color. Hair uh, color. Hair color. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so sorry. Don't take this out of context, okay? <laughs> so sorry. The the men with blonde hair tended to be more appealing. The most used and the most appealing. Yeah. yeah. It's ingrained. We were talking about intergenerational drama. I think there's intergenerational education or, or whatever you want to call it, knowledge that we need to fight against and be like, oh, where is this coming from? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We need to confront it now yeah. and change the way we think about it. Speaking of which, I mean, Tangled, right? She was actually brunette as opposed to, I mean, she is blonde with the magic hair, but once it's, it's cut, it's brunette again, which okay. is an interesting choice yeah. They could have easily kept the blonde hair like it, it was a choice they made i'm not sure why other than to differentiate the element of disney is that you always in color you should always be able
1: to tell the changes mm. for a child right that's mm-hmm. the blue and the red for villain and hero mm. and so yeah i make. I, I mean to me it makes sense that if you take away the magic you cut it off it needs to change color okay she's somebody else when that happens okay that's fair i think i mean it's my opinion
0: but, uh, I forget kids watch things. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't and, feel like a kid's movie. <laughs>
1: I know, I know, it doesn't. But I feel like a kid could watch it and understand that that's what was happening. Totally. And uh, and I think she looks great as a brunette. I mean, oh, yeah. once that happened, it was like, oh, yeah. She was always going to, that's how she always looked. <laughs> Plus, they didn't
0: cut her hair at a long length. Right. She had, like, miles of hair. They could have cut it, I mean, short hair like that for women, is not usually acceptable. Right. So that Disney gave her that short hair at being a young woman. Right. If you're older, you're allowed to have short hair. But being a, a maiden, right, you're not supposed to. So I, I liked the, that it, it is short. And then speaking of which, the versions where the hair is cut mm-hmm. is
1: significant. Because in Grimm, that's the first time we actually see the fairy cutting off the hair as punishment. Like, you you've violated the rules of this tower. So now I'm going to cut off... I mean, some something going to get lost. Right, an appended. You know, helpless is one way to see it. Other times it's like, hey, loss of hair when you cut off your hair, it's
0: claiming independence. It's who's cutting it that yes. makes the difference. Ah, yeah. yes, thank you. You're when right. Mulan cuts her hair, you're like, yeah, let's go to war. Right. You know, um, G.I. Jane, when she shaves her head bald, you're like, let's do it. But this is different. Grimm's was different. This right. was somebody else cutting it, which her hair may have been a comfort to her it's literally taking away her comforts and well then on that note for tangled
1: Mm -hmm. there is this concept that she's she didn't cut off her own hair it was Flynn Rider who
0: cut it off indeed but maybe there was good reason for it well to set the scene he gets stabbed by Mother Gothel and Mother Gothel is trying to take Rapunzel away and she's fighting her, and she's like, "Stop fighting me." And Rapunzel says, "Let me heal him, and I will go with you." And she's like, "Fine." So she does her. Th- she's gonna go do her thing to to Ryder, and as she's about to do it, he slices off her hair, right. all of it, and it all turns into brown. The magic is gone. Uh, that's a great scene for Mother Gothel. That is like the most epic killing of an ice queen that I've ever seen. Right? It's great. Dust to dust.
1: That's all I'll <laughs> say. I don't know why I I didn't see that coming. Well, the first time I watched Tangled and and he did that, it it suddenly all made sense. He knew she would be a prisoner if she kept the hair. So the one thing he could do to save her, even though he
0: was dying, was cut it off for her. It's like, no, 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 I'm not, it's not about me anymore. It's about you. It's the ultimate form of self-sacrifice. Right. I'm going to sacrifice my life for yours. Exactly. It's very powerful.
1: But how do we feel about the
0: fact that he cuts it, right? It's a rough... They wrote themselves into a wall. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, on one hand, that's great. He's learned something. But on the other hand, has he learned something? I mean, it's sort of a violation. I think it would have been stronger if it were possible to make it so that he tries to sacrifice himself and she chooses to cut her own hair. Exactly. But if, she, if we were to use this situation, it would be wrong. It would feel wrong for her to be like, I don't know. Do I keep my hair? Do I save my, my lover? It's like, well, obviously you're going to save him. Like, right. how could you not? <laughs> so that doesn't quite work. But I also don't know that it works in terms of message. It works now, uh, story-wise. And it does, it changes everything and it helps close one door in terms of writer becoming a decent person, and it opens another door, which is that uh, Rapunzel is no longer the Rapunzel we know. She's her own person. But still, <laughs> there's something about him making that decision for her without her consent that feels wrong. It just feels wrong. yeah, yeah. And even in the moment, even though
1: I was surprised by it, I did think about it later, and I was like, oh, but that wasn't her decision. And that's kind of the whole point, isn't it? Yeah. But then, yeah, and backing into a wall again, you're right, that even if she did decide to do it herself, it wouldn't fit in her character, because she doesn't want to kill Mother Gothel. Like, right. I, I feel like she she can get away from her, and that's a different story. But she would know if she cut off her own hair that Mother Gothel would die. Right. And I don't think that's in
0: her character either. Yeah. To kill somebody. Yeah. Especially Mother Gothel. You do see true affection there. Right. Stockholm Syndrome. Right. To some degree. <laughs> right. But, I mean, she did sort of raise her. Right. I mean, there is, there's a level of, you're my parent. Right. I don't want you to die. Nobody wants their parent to die, even if they're horrible people, usually. Right. I mean, those are really terrible. But,
1: you know what I mean? Yeah. There's even that, that moment, it's like one shot, where Flynn cuts it off. The witch is falling back in agony because she's aging. Mm-hmm. And Rapunzel, like, reaches out to her. She's, like,
0: trying to catch her. Yeah. So which is sad. There's no way yeah.
1: to work that. It's It was hard. It's difficult.
0: It's, yeah. It, it's, like, by staying true to Rapunzel, they made a decision that's very patriarchal.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> right.
0: So it's, like, thank you, but also no. Right. But also cool, but also no. Exactly. It's It's a difficult... They really did write themselves into, like, a wall. <laughs> like, I wonder how long they debated it. Because there's enough really great storytelling and writing behind it that you know that these were conversations that they had. Right. Other stories, you're like, wow, they didn't even think about that. <laughs> but you can tell about the level of quality of Tangled that these were things that they discussed. Right. And tried to – I'm sure they played them out and saw, you know, what would work. But I think it's worth examining. I mean, not only is that, like, the apex of the story – But it does kind of give us a callback to um, the original stories of Rapunzel. Right. And this loss of control and this not choosing your own fate or destiny. Having it being chosen for you.
1: Exactly. And then that being the key to continue life. You reach your happily ever after because the hair is no longer there in the way.
0: The hair is no longer there.
1: The hair is no longer there. (laughs) But then the cool part, which I thought really did work, was they keep the concept of the tear being able to heal.
0: Right. Someone. So she uh, she doesn't cry into his eye, because that sounds difficult. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Grim.
1: But we're to understand that the power of the sunflower is within her somewhere, to the fact that when she drops a tear on him, that, that's enough magic to heal him. Yeah. So it's still somewhere in her. Right. So I like that concept. That's harking back to the Grimm. Totally. The Grimm's use of magic there. The one and only use of magic in
0: Grimm. Yeah. Is Rapunzel's tear.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I definitely like how they changed that. Yeah. He doesn't need to be blind. Right. A stab wound makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Also, just sidebar, I love that the horse is treated like a dog. Like, he's like a ginormous dog. The whole He, like, wags his tail and, like, takes treats. He's like a giant Scooby-Doo. Right. Just sidebar. <laughs> Yeah, the songs are great. I got a dream.
1: I got some dreams. <laughs> I got
0: dreams. Mother Knows Best. They're just some really good really good storytelling, song making, singers, everything. Adventure and love, but realistic, more realistic love. Yeah. I, I like that they're not friendly right away. She's not, like, in awe of him. Right. They're not, like, falling over each other all the time. Right. They're from different worlds, and you see how that clashes. Right. And then you see how it works. Yeah. And the fact that she can take care of herself is huge for me. What she does with the pan, you know, he's almost like, <laughs> whoa. You know? <laughs> like, what? Who would have knew? Yeah. Who would have
1: thought? Right. Hi. And he, it's not, he doesn't say anything about it. Like, oh, women aren't supposed to fight. He doesn't say anything stupid like that. Right, he just, right. He's like, is
0: impressed by it. Right. He actually uses some of her tactics. Yeah. I was going to say, he, like,
1: thinks the pan is great, too. I was like, who knew, right?
0: (laughs) So, I like. There's a lot of equality in
1: there. You're right. Partnership. So, when they do fall in love, when they fall in love, quote, unquote, (laughs) no, they learn to love each other. Right. I believe it. Right.
0: Right. It's not falling in lost. Exactly. So, braided, then. Braided, Hair and braided. It is braided. I don't know if you knew that. Is it braided? hmm Is that what you do with hair? <laughs> is that what you do
1: with
0: hair? <laughs> it's, I like some of the imagery in Braided because they talk about her hair, like, literally being, like, hung on branches. And, like, people tie notes to it. Right. And, like, her own tree with her hair. Which is a really cool image. I'd like to really see that visualized, you know?
1: Yeah. And they even get further in the dream state where every tre- every dead tree with these bare branches has hair on it,
0: you know. They're hair trees.
1: They're hair trees. Like yeah. they're
0: made out of hair. Right, right. Which is just insane. And Gray is like terrified of them. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that would be you. Like, very scary. Hair trees sounds horrifying. Right. And
1: her hair wasn't blonde, right? It was. um... Chestnut, some sort of nut. Probably because that blends in better with a tree. Yeah. The image of a tree, rather than blonde in a tower. Right. You know, we're in nature now. So yeah, yeah. To be realistic. <laughs> the imagery of the hair changed a lot. It's not yeah. falling down. It's actually kind of up, up and out of her. Yeah. yeah. And that's also how the wishes are granted. Well, Zelda is part of the host tree. They call it holiday Holity.
0: I think it's, ho- I don't know, Holiday? Holiday? I looked it up and I couldn't find anything. Oh, okay. It's H-O-L-I-T-Y. So but, I just keep calling it the holy tree. The holy tree, yeah.
1: <laughs> so the holy tree still retains magic as long as the guardian host is attached to it. So people write down wishes and then they attach it to her hair. Because mm-hmm.
0: this tree is dead. I right. I mean, it's only living because there's a person on it, you know? Right. Which is interesting because it's sustaining her. Right. It's, it's very codependent. It is, yeah, Yeah. for sure, for sure. (laughs) And I think it it wouldn't be magical without her
1: either. So these wishes would just be pieces of paper otherwise. Right. They attach it to her hair because the idea is that these wishes are taken down by Gray later to be buried. Where? In her mother's sacred garden.
0: Under? Uh, Rampion. Rampion, yes. You're right. Oh, my gosh. She buries it under the rampion. That's right. And with the rampion. And she talks about how when she's gone to look for him... To dig any of them out, they're gone. There's, they're gone. Right, she can't find them. They're absorbed by the rampion And she finds them right in the dream world when oh, we that's get to so that. Clever. It's very cool. We get to that flip. It just reminds me so much of Joyce Byers's house in Stranger Things. You know, we get back to the house, and which is the cottage that her mother and her live at, and there's the sacred garden, and she. Confronts her mother, who's not really just like her shadow mother, or her mirror mother, if you want to go Star Trek. And she digs under the Rampion eventually and finds all the notes. It's just so beautiful. I love it. Reversed, you know? It's and like upside down. I just like it.
1: No, you're right. And <laughs> I feel like you wrote this down somewhere is that these are very fairy tale like elements, but we don't see them in Rapunzel. We haven't seen them in Rapunzel yet. So right. just the fact that she introduces some of that in this Rapunzel version. It makes a whole lot more sense because they're using dreams to their advantage you said that and i agree i said that i thought that was you well, well i don't remember saying it <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah things like that things where the spirit the holiness of a tree is carried into an, a subconscious level and it's the subconscious that tells the truth that tells gray how to solve the problem right you have to enter the subconscious to see the truth right i thought that was Mm,
0: was brilliant <laughs> yeah was great what are we talking about hair, hair. <laughs> <laughs> well and other elements braided i think that that work that are different much different a very slight connection i think from goldie would be the bulldog in this one there's like packs of bony dogs yeah uh, in the dream world that are like chasing her and i i saw it i'm not sure if this is how i saw it was those creatures that are trying to get to dumbledore and harry when they're on that little island oh like that's kind of how i thought of them like they're crawling over each other in this version and they're they're not necessarily they're bonies they're not necessarily like healthy it's almost worse like hyenas or something you know yeah like devil dogs and yeah uh,
1: that's a good image also that harry potter image because gray describes it as the sand she's she's running in the sand that won't let her move right too heavy it's sinking it's you know you're not meant to move in this dream state yeah everything becomes like 10 times harder right Um, yeah thanks dreams (laughs) and you can never find the bathroom it's true never can and in the dream state since we're talking about the dream state about braided is that she sees Zelda in a tower in the dream? That's the only one and only
0: time we see a tower. Right. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah, she does. Doesn't she get her down? Yeah. From the tower. She goes up to her, and then they both come down. And then they go to the tree. Right. Uh, through the hair forest. <laughs> right. Right. Which is like that you said the mirror world,
1: right? Right. It's mirroring reality. Right. So in their dream, they have to reach the same tree in
0: order to escape. Yeah. Basically by by putting the destiny back to the tree in the dream world they're restoring the tree in the real world which a lot which is cool there's a lot of like lore that's mentioned in the story about this tree and how long it survived and how it died and i kind of was curious more about that why did it die and how long was you know what i mean it's just really interesting
1: well it just sounds like the villagers made a huge mistake when they thought the tree was dying and they panicked they ripped it in a way that was unnatural. Right. And the tree was like, well, <laughs>
0: shit. Like, well, don't shit. do that. Yeah. Well, now I'm
1: going to have to pick one of your kids to go into. And right. It'll, it'll just repeat forever until you give me my seed back, basically. Right. You give me my spirit back.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, so, so
0: that's how it sounded to me? But no, yeah. You're right. There's a lot there. It, uh, it seems like, yeah, like a whole history around this tree. Right. And they're sort of ending a curse? to some degree yeah that's what it is that's what it feels like a curse
1: yeah they're breaking the curse and, and when that happens when they break it in reality they describe it as her hair falling from the branches she's being released basically right from the
0: tree yeah so her hair now belongs to her again right and meanwhile the branches like grow yeah. and like things are restored with the tree right very cool oh, that's awesome i like that imagery a lot yeah thanks Alora bishop <laughs> I wish she would have written the second volume. They had, like, uh, previews for the three stories they were going to do for the second volume. But it never came out. And that was, like, 2012. So, whatever. still (laughs) might. You never know. Still might come out at some point. The last, like, note I found from her to readers was from, like, 2013, I think. And it was like, it's coming out soon! So I'm like, well, where is it? Oh no, it's (laughs)
1: 2020. Yeah, that's not a good sign.
0: And she wrote it with her partner at the time. I don't know if that's still her partner, but I I credited her because that was specifically her writing. Right. Um, but I think Hansel and Gretel is the other story in there. I think that was also Alora, but her partner wrote the other one, which was Snow White. If you get a chance, go buy it. It's on Amazon. Support your local. They're not local. Support your small artists. (laughs) (laughs) Out there. <laughs> so I think that's it
1: on hair. Mm-hmm. Since we're talking about braided, did you want to touch on some of the original concepts of braided that we didn't see in any other rendition of Rapunzel? Sure. I feel like we've touched on everything minus the the circus.
0: Not their fair. Fair. T H E R E. Right. Which basically, I
1: feel like all of those scenes acted like a threshold guardian. And mm. like, if you're observing archetypes in a story, everything related to the circus was like, this is how you proceed. This is how you proceed to the next level. You're right, exactly. Right. And we get the Fing- Sphinx character, right? Yeah, do want to talk about this weird cat thing. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Oh, okay, okay, I'll talk about this weird cat thing. So within the circus, Gray Gray's approached by some other dude first, saying like, "Enter this tent here," and she gets inside, and it's this strange i think it's like a hairless cat even probably like a sphinx cat which is kind of like decrepit right dressed like a human looking like a human other than the the face of a cat right the cat is very clever because she gives gray a riddle to solve and she's like oh you humans are so stupid (laughs) (laughs) just kind of like insulting her the whole time but she also gives a riddle that gray is trying to deciphered Yeah. yeah it's such a silly it doesn't like rhyme or anything it's like a seed will reap another seed and you're just gone and
0: <laughs> I do like though that part of it was as soon as the not their affair was done it was like bam it was all gone it disappeared and she's in the dirt because she was in a tent it's just such a cool image of like instantly all this like fantastical stuff that she's describing is vanished right and there's like a window we have like the the ticking time bomb there's a window of time she has to solve everything right and yeah meanwhile
1: the tree is, is supposedly dying it's dying very quickly meaning zelda might be the last right if nobody fixes this so maybe that's why the ticking time bomb works better for gray and for zelda in the story yeah and then a lot of that imagery of the not there fair is repeated once gray enters the dream world Mm -hmm. right so you you associate the the fair and the dream it's all one realm that's right
0: they're connected somehow but there's a big difference yeah there is (laughs) (laughs) when she sees the sphinx again the sphinx is like full-on lioness that's right she's young she's a lioness so she's covered in hair right (laughs) she has like a different energy to her because she's in her world yeah which i thought was really interesting because some of the other characters are the same in both but she's not one of them that's right
1: but i I always (laughs) appreciate those vessels because we need some guidance into the supernatural and guidance that won't scare us because if it was only just that grim nitty gritty stuff well then nobody would really explore it. Yeah. But there's not there's some mystery there and right. that makes us want to go further. Hence like this dream
0: imagery and braided. And she's got some some good power behind her because it is for love. Yes. You know there's an element of like I love this person. I will do anything for them. Yes. So it's very self-sacrificing again. There's a lot of that in this tale.
1: Yeah, which brings us to the happily ever after.
0: And Goldie, Mm
1: -hmm. uh, she's accepted into the kingdom, is what it says. Blondie is something very similar. Now that they have a family, (laughs) he has his sight back, and she has twins, and they're all able to go back to the kingdom as a family. Right, Happily ever after. Tangled works out well because Mm. she's still able to save Ryder, and in this case... She gets to return to her birth parents as a princess. So it's him being accepted into the kingdom. Right,
0: right. And I I thought that was such a beautiful scene with her parents. I know. And them, like, knowing it's her and, like, this reuniting. And it was really sweet. I really liked it. And I mean, I liked the very last part of the movie because it's, like, a joke. And I wish they didn't, like, ruin the joke at the very end. But he's like, I asked and I asked and they asked. And finally, I said yes. You know, it's like <laughs> implying that she kept asking him. Right. And then she's like, whatever. You know, I'm just like, well, okay. You were almost feminist, but then you just <laughs> ruined it. But I kind of like that at least it was in there.
1: Right, right. Although I think it, it was true that it took years. I think they didn't get married right away. Which is great.
0: And then in Braided,
1: same thing. Is they solve their own puzzle. They... They yeah. leave and they leave yep. together. Oh, just not... <laughs> all this fate stuff is weighing them down, and Gray just won't leave Zelda alone, so she has to free Zelda before they can be happy. And gosh, and in Braided, they couldn't even touch. That was the tricky part. Oh man, that that would have been torturous. I mean, you couldn't touch the one you loved. That's ah,
0: you know. I feel like that was like the best imagery in that. Is that like she Zelda would reach down and Gray would reach up, and their like fingertips would touch. And that was, like, as much intimacy as they could gain. Right. But it was, like, super important to both of them, which I thought was beautiful. And, like, there's this image of, like, holding your hand up towards somebody that you love. Which is very, um, Romeo and Juliet and very, I don't know, romantic. Yeah. And Rapunzel,
1: right? You see every depiction of Rapunzel. I mean, yeah, maybe her hair acts as that because she's reaching towards the prince and they're touching that way. Right. But it's always, like, some sort of, like, her reaching down to him. Right so i think that's a very uh, mimicking image yeah. of
0: like fingertips totally i always for each other. but it is sad yeah that they don't they don't get to get closer than that right. like the prince who just knocks up everyone in the tower <laughs> and doesn't tell them that's, idiot yeah, lands on spikes in his eyes yeah. <laughs> oh the
1: agony <laughs> ah.
0: ridiculous i'm like you tried being a woman for like 2 days what? And see how you do. You don't tell
1: me what agony means. Yeah, right? really.
0: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think that's like everything. Okay. Thanks for listening. We very much appreciate it. As always, you can rate and review us on iTunes, please. That would be very helpful. You can go to our website, com. We're on Twitter. You can email us. I don't know. Whatever you want. All the social media stuff.
1: Thanks for sticking with uh, spinach and radish. (laughs) Spinach is going to (laughs) read from Maiden in the Tower. And I'm glad that we stopped with the happily ever after because this ties in very well. At the end of the traditional tale, Rapunzel lives happily ever after with her prince and her children. Pain and suffering lasted for a time, but joy comes in the end, or so we assume since the story ends on a happy note generations of readers continue to believe in the happily ever after, or at least in the power of long golden hair, ensuring that Rapunzel will be around to entertain countless generations to come.